but I'd gone from like earning a, a decent amount of money and having all these nice luxury things around me to having to sell everything. I had to sell my R8, my Harley, my cars, my watches, the house had to go, which I was renting way above my means. And I was just living with my missus mm-hmm. at her mum's place with my newborn baby, like. Welcome to Authentic as Fuck podcast. Today we have Danny Allen Page, uh, a digital marketer. Uh, hey, Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, mate. It's a, a pleasure to be on. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for. I'm so jealous. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I know you're uh, you're like <clears throat> sick or getting a cold, but uh, you're a real champ. <laughs> Fight through, man. You know. <laughs> Got to stay strong. <laughs> all good. All good. How so there's a lot. Good, good, good. Um, we connected like I, I've been following you actually for a while. Somebody told me to check out your stories. It's like that. It's like very authentic. So I've been doing that. And, and then I saw you on that. And then I think that's when we kind of finally connected. Yeah. You gave me a challenge. <laughs> Which smashed. And of course <laughs> <laughs> thank you, that thank you. Easy, yeah, right. It's easy right now. Yeah, exactly. I just, I guess, I just needed a push because, and and you telling me your story about because like your Instagram story is so natural. So I just figured like, oh, you're just born like that. But you telling me how you struggle with it actually got 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 me thinking. <laughs> yeah, man, I sucked hard on camera, man. I so much fear so much worry about what people thought, so much anxiety. I'd get my phone out and be like instant sweats. Just terrible, <laughs> honestly, stuttering, can't get my words out, uh, just completely overthinking, completely mm. overthinking. And um, I, I spent about a thousand pounds. I knew I wanted to build a personal brand from years ago and I just bottled, kept bottling it up, um, focusing on client work. And then I bought about a thousand pounds worth of camera equipment, sat in my cupboard for about a year. And then I was just getting so, so frustrated because you look at other people and you see them building their personal brand, you know, inside you want to, and I won't say jealousy, envy, I guess of like, come on. And, um, I was telling my friend, my missus best friend about it. And she, she's a presenter on the radio. Mm-hmm. And she loves all that stuff. And mm-hmm. she she was like, "What are you talking about? You're you're scared, right? Get the camera equipment out now." <laughs> I was like, "Stop spitting!" <laughs> My kids are running around. She was like, "No, come outside." And it's hot day. I never forget this hot day. Neighbors either side. I live in a terraced house, right in London. So terraced house, garden, 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 garden. Short fences. Neighbors are out sunbathing. One's doing the, the, the mowing the lawn. And she's like, right, I'm going to pan the camera down to you. I want you to present your company and who you are and what makes you unique. You can imagine, like, <laughs> I'm whispering, I'm nervous, I'm shaking, my kids are running around, I'm, my neighbors can hear me. Literally the worst pressure scenario for someone that's been putting off camera. And we, she just kept, she literally just forced me to do it. It spent about an hour. And that... Oh, wow is why I push like every now and again, when I know someone that is like yeah. really incredible, like uh, what I see in you, I'm like, no, you, you was doing camera stuff anyway. It's only <laughs> stories. So I'm like, if I can poke a little stick in or hit, 
I, I just remember that moment and I do it for others. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of social media, right? You can kind of push people, not push people, but inspire, motivate people, which is kind of what I get from your stories. Um, yeah. And, you know, since that challenge, a lot of people have done that. Like I just posted it and a lot of people have done it and they've tagged me, they tagged you. And yeah. I just feel like we've started a movement. A little <laughs> I loved it. I kept like, when I was watching your story back through, I'm seeing so many people from all over the world doing this seven day story yeah. challenge. So just yeah. imagine how many people actually struggle with like yeah. in front of camera and, and exactly. that fear just millions millions yeah. of people so yeah we played our part we played our <laughs> yeah and that's why and and you're doing it probably you know without you knowing every day because people are watching your stories everybody's telling me about your instagram stories and like yeah, yeah. I, I i before i grew my account on instagram um so i had less than a thousand followers and I, how long have you been on it? I've been on Instagram for ages, but I decided to build my personal brand on the 4th of Jan this year. Um, oh, you know, they remember the exact date. Because <laughs> I'd lined up all the content pre-hand and I remember I'd hired a few videographers before for about three, four months. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, right, next year I'm going for it. 4th of Jan was the first working day of the month in the UK. So I was like, right, every day. Oh, it was like a New Year's resolution kind of thing. I just said, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show up every day with value until my eyes are bleeding, like <laughs> until everyone's sick of me. And then I'm going to look back after 100 days and see what the result was. And I mm -hmm. tracked how many sales I made and all that jazz. Um, yeah. Were you already running a business at that marketing business? Yeah. So I've always been in, well, I haven't always been in marketing. I used to do, I used to play football mm. then I went into personal training. Then I mm. went into sales um, and financial markets. And then I started marketing. And when I was marketing, I, I teamed up with business owner, uh, a partner that mm. didn't go to go to plan. Um, and then I was like, right, I'm, I'm always teaming up with people. Let me just do it on my own. And that was maybe mm. about five, six years ago. Mm. Um, but I, I just sat in the background, just servicing clients, didn't create any branding, nothing to scream or shout about. There was no personal branding. It was just me delivering with my small team to clients. And we was growing, we was earning, you know, decent money. Um, well, what kind of stuff were you guys doing? Like social media or like conversion stuff like sales pages. I know you talk about sales pages a lot. Yeah. yeah so my, my bag is mainly like lead gen. So it all stemmed from my sales career. So when we, when I used to be on the phone, we used to have to make like hundred to 200 calls a day at, at kind of like the early stages and the leads that were always the best to call were the inbound leads. These were mm. the leads like, have you ever seen the film, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so these, these are the, the leads, right? So you get those leads. Coffee is for closers. <laughs> you know the game. And which is exactly what that kind of place was like where I worked in the sales career. And um, I just got fed up of spending all this money on team sales people just trying to fill out the floor of people. You have to train them. Their emotions are up and down. It's a hard job. I wasn't a, a kind of a leader at that point. Mm. I was just like, I'm going to sit in a room 
I'm going to learn how to do Google ads because I heard my, my friend was getting success from it and I'm going to generate leads myself and I'm going to close them myself. Mm-mm-mm. And that's how I started. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, that, that's how I started. And then I got so good at the ad side and the landing pages that I was like, well, I'm, I was actually getting worse at selling because I wasn't on the phone all day. <laughs> <laughs> you were just busy generating leads. <laughs> just generating leads. So uh, another guy was, was literally in the room together and he was like shit hot closer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you close my leads for me and I'll generate mm-hmm. all the marketing. We won't have to spend any more money on marketing agencies because they mm-hmm. were just... They wouldn't give you access to your own accounts. They wouldn't give you the right data. They. So how did you learn that? You just on the internet or? Literally, I would um, copy landing pages. So I'd go mm-hmm. and look at the landing pages that I thought looked good. Okay. Uh, and then I would practice just copying the exact page, like exactly, just and repetition, repetition, repetition. And then I would call Google and then I would just hound them. Like I'd be on the phone to Google for hours and hours. Of that. <laughs> like actually Google, just not Google. like a Google marketing company. <laughs> no Google ads. So I'd be like, right, just set up this campaign. Like, what, what does this mean? What does that mean? And at back then you could get, you could get an account manager. Mm-mm. And this wasn't, you know, uh, from like a, you know, a manual where they're giving you generic. You can, right now you can too, if you're like a big account. But yeah, probably not for smaller accounts, but not from the offset. You yeah. just don't happen. So I had back then I had an account manager. I went for a few people, but then I could actually get through to him. And he just used to just, just download me all That's the awesome. information and give me everything. And then, then I just grew from so there. Yeah. yeah. Just hustled it out. <laughs> just just learn. And then I just would supply the same leads. Mm. I'd build a brand and I'll supply the leads to the old industry clients. And that's how I started to grow the agency. Yeah. So I, I want to get a little bit more into it, but let's back up a little bit. Like you started out playing football professionally. So you kind of were a personal brand to a certain degree starting out un- unknowingly. Yeah. That's interesting. Never really thought about it like that. <laughs> Never thought about it. Yeah. I guess football. Yeah, so tell us about that period of your life like you because you've gone through a few career changes yeah like you've kind of reinvented yourself yeah so what what is like the series of event that happened that got you to wow okay so the so from very early age just playing football on a council estate with my friends all day every day just kicking a ball around um and then i signed for crystal palace as a youngster (coughs) excuse me and then I signed to, for Brentford FC as like a pro, managed to sign a pro mm-hmm. contract. So it was literally just slugging it out through my youth as I didn't have a normal youth. You know, I was traveling all over the UK, playing football all different times a day. My work experience at school in the UK, you have to do work experience. Mine was going and training with the first team for these clubs, you know? Um, so I grew, I think I, you grow a different mindset. I was all jealous, always jealous of my friends that went to uni and stuff. But my, when I look back now, the education I had with people, like you're thrown in with like grown adult men and it's just like carnage mm. and you're a youngster trying to find your way. Um, you have to like, you have to graft this. Like it is literally battle every single day. Um, and the competition too, because you were talking about how 
your job is never safe when you're a, when you're a football player. <laughs> your neck's always on the line. And I actually remember that the, you get a YTS in football. So it's like a scholarship. Yeah. And then you get to an age, I think it's 17, where you sign the pro papers. And I remember that my, my football manager was like, but there's only four spaces and I got the fifth. And he was like, you, you shouldn't really get this, but I'm giving it to you out of determination. Because I, I literally, I just, I would just run. <laughs> that was my game. I just like outwork people on the pitch. And then my skill kind of caught up later on. Um, and it was... So you weren't like a natural, you were not like Ronaldinho or like, you, were, you weren't born with the gift. I don't think so. I don't think so. I just, I just worked hard and, and I was very athletic. So I'll be running up and down all game like nonstop. So I think when, when it's like anything, right? If you're going to hire someone, you want to look at their attitude as kind of like the first thing. Uh, and I f looking at footballers now and a young footballers coming up attitude is just key. It's just key with everything. And I think I had a good attitude mm -hmm. going through football. I don't know where it came from. It just was just hard working. Mm. So you were on that professional track. So you thought you were going to be playing football. Probably that you thought that was it. That was your career. you yeah. kind of went all in on that. Went all in. I, I went, I worked hard in matches training, but did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it, but it was tiring. The, the, I didn't believe in myself. So it's, it's, it's almost like you're trapped between knowing you really want something but half of you doesn't believe you're ever going to get there mm. or it doesn't believe like I'll get off a pitch and nothing was ever good enough. I could have the best game. I get man and match and nothing was ever good enough. I could have done better. And the balance was never right at that, those early years. So I think if I had the same level of belief now and being able to pat yourself on the back, I would have gone a lot further, but you have to go through those lessons, right? To yeah. know what it looks like now. Yeah. Um, so I used to, I used to say like, I used to sell my, my granddad, who's like my idol. He'd be like, Matt, you, you, you're your own worst enemy because mm -hmm. I would self, no one have to tell me I was rubbish or I didn't have a good game. I would self-sabotage my own performance <laughs> in everything I did. Um, which I don't, I'm still quite bad at it now, if I'm honest with yeah. you. Um, I don't know if you are like that. You yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, it's easier said than done, right? Cause I do believe that once you have that mindset, like once you're like, I can do this, I literally feel like that's that's the key ingredient, at least for me. Mm. Um, do, you, do you beat yourself up though? Like, are you harsh on yourself? No, that's the, that's, that's what I don't do. I, I get that's over good. things pretty quickly. That's good though. That's good. Yeah. My response now is so much quicker. I still do it, but I don't dwell in that place of like, oh, it's not good enough. Or like mm. I, I'll move on faster, but it still happens. Back then I would dwell in things way too long. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a balance though? Like, um, you don't want to be too like always like, Oh, that's fine stuff. Cause then you kind of lose that. You become lazy, right? You become yeah. like, you don't even try. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You've got to have that bit in your teeth to like, you got to push harder. Like you got one more again. It's, I think it all stems from self-awareness and just being able to have a, a, an honest conversation with yourself, know when to pat yourself on the back but also know when to say, look, man, you, this, that's not enough. That's not good. That's true. Yeah. And that, cause deep down inside, you know, 
if, if you're not doing your best. <laughs> you know, I said this to someone the other day about coaching because I've only recently had a coach myself and I'd let my ego kind of, I can do it on my own. I, like, I've got this. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. We know the answer to where we need to go next. Every single person instinctively, if they're listening to their self, their gut, their heart knows what to do next. Just some of us haven't got the accountability, the desire, the motivation, the belief to do it or get around to it fast enough. And that's where I think coaching is just like super, super important. Now I realize it as I coach others in like a lot of people, I used to think a coach is going to solve all my problems. It's like, I know, I know all this shit. Why am I not doing it? (laughs) Why am I not doing it? Um, and we go through all our life with coaches, teachers, parents, school, you know, football coach, like all of that. And we get to adolescence and it's just like, yeah, we got this man. Life's life's easy. We just crack on. I don't know what my point is. I've gone completely off cue, but so what happened when you started working? Cause I, as you, as you were saying that I, I got goosebumps because that's exactly how I am. Right. I'm, I'm, I've seen a lot of smart people fail because they're like, Oh, I know this. I know this. But for some reason, when it comes to ourselves, we don't take our own advice. You know what I mean? We're just so good at giving other people advice. Yeah. And yeah, it gave me chills because the, the people that I see that around me that are the most successful, they're the ones that are not necessarily the smart, uh, like have all the answers. They're the ones that listens to other people and take action on those very basic things. Whereas in people that are too smart for themselves, mm. they're, they're like, Oh, I know this. And they start ignoring It's like, you know, cause yeah. the answer is really easy. Right. Cause we all think that there's some secret to success, but the answer is boring. It's just something. <laughs> so boring. It's so true. <laughs> and that's why no one wants to do it. Right. It's like, I so what did work? Yeah. I had a, uh, someone used to say to me, um, do the things you said you would, even when the mood you said it in has left you. I think that's quite a famous saying. And that stuck with me so hard. I was listening to uh, Mike Tyson's podcast. And he was talking to another fighter and he talks about how much he hates training in boxing. He's not people out in like less than a minute. Right. And he's training for months. He's like, I hate every second of it. And he said, true discipline is doing the things you hate. Like you love them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that gave me like, as I was running, I picked up the pace. I was listening to my podcast. I was like, just having the attitude of like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to treat this task, even though I hate yeah. it more than anything else. Yeah. Like I love it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's so powerful. Yeah. That's so, so powerful. Take that into your day. There's so much stuff that we're doing right now. Entrepreneurs, family, blah, 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 just, just don't want to do. Yeah. You treat it like you love it. There's like, you know, what I do is, um, I heard something similar. I was listening to it. Do you know Jocko Willink? Yeah, I like that. I was listening to Jocko Willink podcast and the guy was talking about how like there's certain things he can't do, right? Like reading a book is like so boring or like, like, or one of the guy was talking about he's just holding two cases of beer and his arm's tiring, but he's forcing himself to hold on to it. And that kind of got me where like I would go to 
work like at 5 a.m when it's still dark outside yeah and what got me excited about doing those things that i didn't want to do is like i'm doing something that nobody else was willing to do right yeah. And that always got me excited. I'm like, and I, I, that, I use that as like motivation too. Why is that? What? Cause I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. What, what is that? Is it? Cause I don't think it's a thing of like, you I never think I'm better than someone, but what is that? What is that feeling? It, it, for it- me, it makes me feel good that I'm, I feel like I'm having an advantage over, other people they're like a secret advantage that other people don't know about because they're sleeping in bed while I'm going to work. Right. And yeah, it's almost like I have, I have extra time that nobody else has creating more time. I think for me, it's like how many other people are saying they're going to do this and aren't. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I, I kind of go to that space is like how many people are saying they're going to be up and they're not. Or how many people say they're going to do this and they don't. Mm-hmm. So that, I think what I've realized as I've got older, um, is how you need to understand what motivates you. And these kind of like triggers, I don't know if you want to call them triggers, strategies, yeah. techniques, but some days it's, you know, people that have told me in the past that I can't make it. Some days it's the opportunities that I've let slip by or I've failed. Some days it's looking at my vision board and where I want to go. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to create these and spend time thinking about all these things and, and registering yeah. what actually gets yeah. you motivated. But yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know if most people do that. I don't know. No, I, I, I mean, I didn't, but you're absolutely right right there for everything that I've achieved, everything in my life, if I track back to the original point, there was like one moment where I learned some tactic like that, where it shifted my thinking. Mm. And, and that got me started on that discipline. And, you know, I used to be such a cynical person, everyone around me, I have a lot of friends who are very like judgmental and cynical. And they're the ones that are like, when I started getting into personal development, like five years ago, they're the ones like, like, you know, that's, that's it is bullshit. Like those, you know, those vision boards, those things like those visualizing, that's all bullshit. It's not going to work. Right. Yeah. Because it sounds stupid. Those things do sound stupid. I, I mean, but they work. <laughs> yeah, they do. They, I'll tell you a wicked story, right? Before I started selling and went into the financial, I was a personal trainer. Right. And I was earning okay money, like good few holidays a year, enjoying my life, had a girlfriend at the time who had a reputation of being very gossipy and negative. We all grew up from the same area, right? And we were friends and it just it kind of just evolved into a relationship. And we, I was with her for like a long time, maybe like seven years. And I saw my friend drive this Porsche and, um, he was earning loads of money and he just completely changed his life around from when I used to go out with him, like clubs raving and stuff. It's like, man, what are you doing? And he told me he's in the financial markets. Now he's doing sales. I was like, I want in, I want, I want in. And he had obviously gone on a journey of personal development, um, goal setting, Jim Rohn, all of those, you know, kind of that good stuff. But you know, and I know if you're not, if you don't have, if you're not a part of that world, sometimes it's hard to actually grasp. Yeah, like, yeah. and it makes no sense. You think, oh, okay, here, yeah, what's he on? About? Yeah. yeah. All that. Anyway, 
I used to, he wouldn't give me a job. He would not give me a job for nothing. Give me, like, let me come and work. Let me come work. He's like, no, you're not ready. You're not ready. So we used to go to his house and we, he would show me his vision board, massive vision board. And um, he'd teach me about goal setting. And I come home and I'd put them up on the wall. And my girlfriend would be like, you're never going to have that car. Like you're never, ever going to have that car. You're never going to have that Ferrari. Never going to have that R8. Why, why you, you know, licking his ass, like brown nose and all this horrible stuff. Um, I was like, all right, cool. And then about a year later, he finally told me why he wouldn't give me a job. And it was like, because you're surrounded with your missus and she's the most negative person I know. Cause he knew it. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> came home. I was like, relationship's done. <laughs> Oh, really? Because <laughs> I didn't want to be with her long-term anyway. I didn't see You already it. had that kind of... I already, you already knew in my yeah. heart, and I just pretended and just plodding on in life. And I knew this was an opportunity I couldn't refuse. And it was unfair for her, unfair for me. So we, we kind of split up. And I went into that world, and he started actually... He gave me a job, effectively. Mm-hmm. And that's where my journey of personal development really started to accelerate. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think it's so important. Like, I... I did the same thing, right? I had to stop like hanging out with the negative people that are just like, you're never going to like, you know, that's, that's all bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. But then what I think when you're in this personal development journey, you need at least one other friend who's on that journey with you. Who's who you can talk to because if you're the only one doing it, you become very alone. It's like the world against you. Everybody's against you. Yeah. Like your parents, or like your whole family is just making fun of you. Yeah. Whereas if you have that one person that you can talk to, it's almost like, yeah, that's what happened to me. Did it? Same. Yeah. So my yeah. best, my best pal, we all know each other, came like, grew up kind of like going out together. He was, went on the same journey at the same time. We used to go and do the goal sessions together. And then we moved into a house together. Then he came and worked at the same place as us. We've like, then we bought, like rented another few houses. We've literally fought our journeys with like played football. Everything's been the same. And I've never acknowledged that until you said that, <laughs> that really helped. That really helped having that person. That's like, because yeah. even my mum, my, I love my mum to bits, but she's the most skeptical negative person. And I, I literally have to protect my own mentality when I'm with my mum. I didn't speak to my mom for a little, not that I didn't speak to her, but I didn't spend a lot of time with her in those early years of me growing personal development. Cause I, I, I was, I was aware that she would bring me down mm-hmm. and she would project her fears on where I want to go. Yeah. So like when I bought my car, mm-hmm. um, like my R8, I had an R8 at the time. Uh, she was yes. like, you, you can't do that. You can't, <laughs> you can't like, that's, that's crazy. Don't do this. Don't do that. And that's just her view and fear being projected on me. Yeah. If you listen to that voice, you're not going to achieve anything. You got to understand what you're going to go and do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't, it's like when you were starting out and your friend told you about it and you weren't really doing it right. You were just kind of still an outsider looking in. What I found is that I never share when I'm with my friends or family that are not on that personal development journey. I never share stories or I never talk about personal development in front of them because it's just, the more I do it, I think more it pushes them away. Mm. You know, I find it really hard. Yeah. I really find it hard to not, it's going to sound so harsh, 
so so harsh but i think a lot of people chat shit i like i genuinely on a day-to-day basis i struggle to have conversations like small talk the worst thing you can put me in do is send me to like do the school run or like <laughs> a kid's party one of my kids go and i'm just like oh. like with other parents <laughs> oh my god it's pain oh, this is i'm gonna sound terrible man but i'm not like i just don't i don't like like fitting gaps with pointless combo i don't know i'm terrible at it my missus is amazing yeah same here she's the best but you know like that small talk stuff is i can't do it so i don't really spend my time with anyone other than the people that i know kind of are you know are on their journey going on a journey i don't care where their journey starts whether if they're like literally beginning or they're doing really well but, but I, I resonate a lot more with those people that are on, mm-hmm. on pursuit of exactly. Yeah. I just enjoy yeah. their company a lot more. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are successful. So I, cause I noticed the same thing when I started my agency and I started working with clients, I noticed that a lot of them are in that same journey. Right. Mm. And then I see my friends who are like nine to five stuck in that, like, you know, three week vacation year that people, mm. they're the ones that are like, ignoring that and it's like, oh, that's really stupid. But the, all the entrepreneurs and all the successful business owners were all in that personal development journey. Mm. So that's when I was kind of like, oh yeah, I, I, I think I'll hang out with these guys. <laughs> yeah, literally, this is it. Right? Uh, when I used to work in a sales job, I was terrible for the ver- like six months. I don't know how I kept my job, probably because I knew that one of the main guys at the top. Mm. And it got to the point where I was just like, I've had enough. I, I need to do something. And I, I just looked around. I remember having this, this kind of like reality check. And I looked around, come off the phone. Um, I looked around and there's this big table of all the main closers, like eight or 10. And then there was like a floor of like 50 people. I was just looking at them and I was looking at everyone else. And I was like, what are they doing? What are they, how are they dressing? How do they carry themselves? What do they drive? Like, what are they doing? And then I start getting their phone calls. I was like, right, I'm going to download all of their, going to request all of their phone calls. And I've got all of their phone calls. And I literally just started to mirror and connect with those 10 people around that table and excluded myself from having lunch with the others. Mm. Um, I refused to write with the same pen. Like it wouldn't be a big, it'd be like a Mont Blanc. Cause that's what, mm. and I just had to mirror because I didn't have the confidence to do it myself. I was like, right, well, mm. what's the next best thing I can do? I'm going to mirror these guys. And it has its pros and cons because you yeah. lose yourself a bit in it. But I'm so glad I did because I know people say success leaves clues. Mm. but it just allowed me to de- develop those skills that I needed to, to get better. So what were that? What is that? Those things? Cause like I see, I talk to people all the time who are just terrible in sales and like, what do you think it is, is that makes most people just so bad in sales. And then there are these few people who are just excel at it. I, I used to, they used to say telling's not selling. So mm-hmm. the people in that room, 90% of them would be telling, telling people about the product, the you know, benefits and all of that jazz. Was the main guys and girls, they're just asking good questions. Mm-hmm. Like intrigued. 
really intrigued in you, the person. The output's the output, right? They want to know you. They want to first build that rapport, get you to like, like them, <laughs> know that you've got their best interest in heart. The product or the service, literally, they, they would close massive deals off of a conversation about how's their day. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Yeah. It's just because they built so much rapport. They showed so much interest. And that person on the other end of the phone genuinely thought, believed they had the best interest at heart. I think a lot of other people would just, they, they're so interested in their head of what to say next, uh, making sure they've covered all the features of their service mm -hmm. or products. Nobody cares. They really mm -hmm. don't care. They want to know about them. They want to talk about them and good, good questioning. Why do they not see that though? Like, is it just something that they don't want to see? Is it? I I've always wondered about that. <laughs> I didn't. I was terrible. I was literally bad, man. I was terrible. Fearful of trying to sell over the phone. I think it's like what you were saying in the beginning about the mindset. Like, I think once you make a decision that I'm going to do this, I'm going to become good at this. And I'm going to be one of the best at this. Then you start all of those things. Like what you saw those guys versus these guys, all those things starts, you know, you start seeing those things. Yeah. Whereas in, in your mind, if you don't have that mentality, you're just going through the motion, right? You're just going on Instagram, making those carousels. Like you don't, you're not really thinking about, okay, what is, why is this carousel doing better than this one? Like what's, mm -hmm. what does this guy have that this guy doesn't? Yeah. Self-awareness. I think, um, desire and, and commitment. I'm really, this, this work, I can't get this sentence out of my, my vocabulary at the moment. I heard it on an Ed Milet podcast and it's about the difference between being interested in your goals or being committed. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested, you'll find excuses. If you're committed, you'll find a way. And I was just like, that, that is just unbelievable. Yeah. And at that time I had always done okay. Like I would, I had done terribly in selling. And um, I started taking notes on the, the good people's sales calls. Uh, I had a fear of objections. So I, w I had a book and I'd wait, I'd listen to the objection come up on maybe two of the three calls I'd write. Cause there's only 10 to 15 objections you're going to get for your products or service. Like there's, typically that's it. I'd write down the objection and then I'd listen to how they dealt with it. But I'm not just listening to what they said. I'm listening to the pauses, the questions, the tonality, mm -hmm. making notes. And I'll get it on. I, I still was riddled with fear. I'll get that objection on the call and I'll flip quickly to my notepad to like the, the objection. And I'll literally take a deep breath. Right. And then I'd answer it. What was in the book word for word. Mm -hmm. And then I just developed to started remembering it and it just became fun. It literally mm -hmm. started to become selling became actual fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, and that's when it because you started becoming good at it too. Well, the, when, the moment it came, I started believing in myself was when I had, well, I think I was just about to lose my job. And the guy that got me the job, who taught me goals, Alfie Valentine, by the way, is an absolute legend, being Alfie on Instagram. He, he said, I'm a pussy. You're scared, man. He's like, you're, you're scared of everything, which I was. He's like, you're, you're just scared, you're pussy. He's like, go and find something you truly want and commit to it. I was like, fuck's <laughs> sake. So I found this Audi TT convertible, um, brand new. I was like, I've, I, I felt it. I was like, I've got to have that car. Mm -hmm. like, that car is incredible. But at the time I'd never earned more than like 1500 pounds. My rent was 
800 I had nothing to live mm. on um, I was like oh, I can't afford that he's like I'm going to give you the deposit for that car today no I'm going to give you the deposit to that, of that car you either pay me back at the end of the month or you, you quit uh, just, just, just leave and then I was like went to the toilet came back I was like yeah cool put the deposit down and bear in mind I hadn't had, had any more than one client in a month I got eight clients and I only had three weeks to go eight clients from one to eight because you knew you had to make that I don't know I hadn't got better I was just committed I can't it's almost like the heavens opened up for me and was like you're working this hard it hasn't clicked for you it's almost like you'd either have to go insane if I'm doing everything that you say you you want and your actions are the same as where you want to go mm -hmm. it's insanity for it not to happen at some point and mm -hmm. I, that that was just the moment for me I'm like it's almost like I discovered fire <laughs> for the first mm -hmm. time you know like man discovers fire I was like this this is unstoppable this is like crazy Mm -hmm. um, and that's when so I you weren't committed you, you weren't committed until that moment that's the moment you were like if I actually commit and do this this is the reward that I'm going to get like yeah I found something I truly wanted hmm. I stopped worrying about what was going out here and people listening and the people I started focusing on me and my attitude and serving the person on the phone and, and I was just working do you think he knew that at the time like this is what you needed <laughs> Well, he had done that over and over and over again and got higher and higher level of stuff. His lifestyle was crazy. Mm -hmm. So I guess he was just showing me the way that worked for him. Mm -hmm. um, but he obviously did see as well that I was just fearful. Mm -hmm. And to overcome that fear, you do need to commit to things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love committing to things. And I like the house that I'm doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. I am man. Um, there's so many things. If I ever get fear or worry or doubt, I find ways to commit to, to something that I want. Yeah. It's so funny you say that. Cause I think that's the reason why most people, cause you know, when you're, when you're in college and you, you're living in a studio apartment, you know, as someday you want to have a three bedroom house, you know, two car garage. And, but I think once you get there, people are, people pretty much. So you, you increase like, so somebody told me like when you're 20, you don't expect to be living in the same house when you're 30, right? At 30, you're going to be, but then when you're 30, you pretty much expect to be living in the same house when you're 40. There's like a, there's like a drop off point where in that, around that age, people just stop trying to reinvent themselves. How, how old are you? I'm 40. You're 40? Yeah. I'm 36, 37. <laughs> just recently. Yeah. I don't know if that's happened. I still feel the same, man. I, I feel no, that's what I mean. I think yeah. for 99% of people, that's what they do. Mm. But I think the ones that I see that are succeeding, they're not, no, when they're 40, they want a mansion. And then when they're 50, they want an even bigger mansion. Like they, it doesn't stop for them. And I think, I don't know if you know Ryan Serhan, he's like a real estate agent, a uh, salesperson. And I, one time I heard him say, like, he always lives a tiny bit above his means. Like, he makes himself feel a little bit uncomfortable because that's what he drives him to get to there, right? Oh, man. Yes. But a lot of people live, like, below their means. Like, they, yeah. they, know, you know, they buy what they can afford. Yeah. Do you know what, though? That doesn't always work for everyone. 
but it 1 million percent works. That 1 million percent works. I'm living proof. Cause again, when I used to work in that career, that was the way to excel and earn more was to up your lifestyle. So we were, uh, you know, yeah, you got a normal car. Okay. Get a nice car. Okay. You got a nice car. Go and get tailored suits. You got tailored suits. Now go and get a supercar. Now you got a supercar. You need a second family car. You got a second family car. You need a motorbike. You need a big house. And all of a sudden, you're out going to go and up, 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 which worked. You earned more. But <laughs> also, um, the pressure gets a lot more. The set, like you're always having to sell to make that money. So mm-hmm. it, that, like, that does 1 million percent work, but you have to be a certain type of person to sustain it. And also, if you're not financially um, educated, which I wasn't at the time. If anything goes wrong, damn, you like, you can, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think what's, what's happening is most people live way above their means or way below their means. I think the key is to live just a little bit above your means. Like, what does that look like for you? Like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I do celebrate, right? Like everything I, every year me and my wife, we celebrate, you know, we like, we'll, I'll go buy myself a motorcycle or I'll nice. go buy, I'll move it to like, every time we move, we move to a better place. Um, I, I, we always try to fly first class if, nice. if they have available. And I used to be that person that are always like, I don't understand these people spent like from here to LA is like $300 coach. And it's like $3,000 if you fly business car class. And I'm like, I would never spend 10 times more just to fly business class. Mm. But then when I started doing it, I actually started making more money. And yeah. <laughs> what is that? And now I... <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I, agree. I agree, man. I agree. But you know, like you get Gary V's of the world that are like, obviously he's super successful, massive personal brand, crushing life, right? And he'd be like, no, save your money. And, you know, he flies coach, I think. I don't know. It looks like mm-hmm. he does. He would probably say something different to us. But I, I'm, with, I'm more with you than with him. Yeah, I mean, I don't go overboard, right? I, 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 I'll fly business class because I can afford it. Not, I wouldn't push myself to do it. Got you. But what I did, I used to go to uh, um, San Diego once a month like last year when before COVID and what would happen is I would go and then I would sit in this like tiny little seat, get out. And I'm just like, it's like a six hour flight. I'm tired. I pretty much lose the whole day because I'm like tired. I'm cranky. And then I flew business class once and they had a lay flat seat. So I just went there I lie down I slept. <laughs> I woke up. There was like breakfast waiting for me. It was wow. a red eye flight. And I, I basically gained the day. Like yes. I, I was, I, I was feeling refreshed. I felt, and at the time, you know, I was charging like $200 an hour. So, you know, just gaining, gaining the day, uh, like, oh no, way more than that. Cause like I was running my team. So it was way more profitable to gain that extra day when you get them to save money on. Yeah. Nice man. I like that. That's a good, <laughs> I think I got that in the past. I've had the balance completely wrong. Um, when I stopped doing sales because the company folded at the highest, I think my outgoings were like seven and a half K and then down to like nothing. 
coming in. Mm -hmm. So I had to do like a mass sell off. <laughs> Everything. So this there. is when you went from selling financial products yeah. to uh, switching off to marketing. Switching to, I, I kind of had a small stint with another, like a top in another financial company. Um, I just didn't enjoy it. I'd lost the love for it. I was there for about I don't know, six months. Um, but I'd gone from like earning a, a decent amount of money and having all these nice luxury things around me to having to sell everything. I had to sell my R8, my Harley, my cars, my watches, the house had to go, which I was renting way above my means. And I was just living with my missus at mm -hmm. her mum's face with a newborn baby, like, like major ego punches. <laughs> mm -hmm. When you go from an R8 to a Ford Focus. So how did that feel like? <laughs> oh, man. How did you get over that? Worry is the first thing. So the stress of, am I gonna, what's gonna happen? Um, just so once I, once I had sold everything and I knew I didn't have all these outgoings, I was cool. Okay. Other than my ego being like, it's being embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. This is embarrassing. I'm driving around in yeah. Ford Focus with roof racks. And last month I had like an X6 and I'm mm -hmm. seeing people that see me like crush it for two years. And now I look like I'm just down and out. I'm selling my watches and I was like, oh, mm. embarrassing. Like, you know, driving in the car. And but once you can let go of that ego, you literally become like, that's, that gives you superpower though. Once you stop caring about other people think. Yeah. That, that, and also knowing that you can go, you can, I, I you can take it. <laughs> I can take it. I can take the hit. And also I know I'll never be down to zero because of the knowledge and the experience I've gained. Mm -hmm. That was the invaluable part, knowing how to communicate to people and sell to people mm -hmm. and goals and mindset and personal development. Mm -hmm. That's, you can't take that from me. Yeah. So yeah. That's when I was like, I'm just going to back. Yeah. Just go into the next thing and, and just, you feel invincible because you, you, that knowledge is something that you can never lose. You can't lose it. I, I don't know. For me, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't go as strong as me saying I, I felt the invincible cause I still have doubt and worry. Mm. I like, I'm just naturally that person. Mm. Um, but if you it's, <laughs> always say the cookie jar, I think Goggins talks about this as well. It's like, you have these things that you can kind of look back on in your life and take reference to. And I think the difference between me, uh, maybe you like with your agency and other stuff that you've done in life is the more references you have for failing and succeeding, the easier and quicker your response is to doing better or overcoming fear or doubt or worry. So for me, I like to go, I love speed. It's, I'm, my team will tell you I'm a nightmare. I just want to go because I know I'll foul my way <laughs> through things. I know it's not always the best way, but because I know that that that's that's why I have to hire people around me that's a lot a little bit more like slower paced and like more mm -hmm. meticulous with things because I think if if you I'd rather go faster and foul than sit there dwelling and thinking about it mm -hmm. and doing fuck all. Yeah, it's I think it's a balance. For me, I think that going fast is actually that's a good advice because I tend to overthink, mm. <laughs> but I went through a similar situation with you this, this year, as you, this year, like, um, when I, when COVID happened, I had to, I had this like 
amazing office in Soho, a loft. And I always had that ego, like, like everybody coming into our office were like, ah, oh, son, like you made it right. We had uh, 12 employees. Um, we like, uh, from the outside, it seemed like we made it, but our, like our expenses were like a hundred K a month. I felt this like um, burden on my shoulders. When COVID happened, we got rid of the office after a few months because we weren't working out of there. I scaled my team down and then we were working with contractors and things like that. So that pressure went off, mm -hmm. but my ego was hurting, right? Like, mm -hmm. what is everyone else going to think of me? Like, they're going to be like sons fail. Like, I, you know, like he, but then once I got over that, like once I got over the fear of judgment of others, yeah, I felt like, I felt like now I can do whatever. You know you what I mean? Take these knocks, right? Like, it's so good that you did. Was there any kind of that? Was you ever in a situation where you felt um, that someone's projecting that? Oh, look, son's son's flopped. He's not. He's no. He's fake. No, but it, it was just all in my head. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's so mad. Yeah. So I, for I was, it to happen, it's actually. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing because nobody cares. <laughs> no one gives a shit. And this is why, I, and uh, coming back to Instagram and stories is if you've got that fear of getting on camera, just set yourself crazy tasks. So my first for crazy task was because I, I was scared of what people thought of me. Like if someone's walking down the street, I was doing a story, I'd put my phone away, I'd stop. So London Bridge, famous bridge in, in London, rush hour, hundreds of people walking up and down. I was like, right. Tomorrow, on the way into the office, you're doing a story from the start all the way across that bridge. Loud. And I was literally like doing my story and I'm sweating, I'm fearful. And I got about halfway across and I'm like, no one gives a shit. No one on this bridge, not one person has looked at me and gone, what are you doing? Like all of this stuff that you put in yourself on your mind is just, just taking up capacity and energy. So you got like, you find ways to overcome again. I, I guess it's a form of commitment. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Isn't yeah, it? That's exactly what happened after you challenged me. Like I, after that second story, I was like, shit, this is easy. Right. Like, and, and I feel like, cause it's been something I've been sc being scared of so much. And I've been like, oh, I, I look at you doing it. I look at other people doing it. Like, I'm like, I wish I could do that. Right. Like that would be so cool. And then once I did it and I found out like, Oh, it's actually pretty easy. I felt it was, again, I, I was like, Oh shit. Like I have this superpower now. That... Yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I've never looked at it like that. That's like, I like that gaining new superpowers. I like that. That's cool. I like it. So, just kind of before we wrap it up, um, what do you think of go? I wanted to ask you about this carousel community and like Instagram community that we're in because you've been at it longer than me. Yeah. And um, so yeah, what what is your kind of opinion of this carousel community? I see a lot of what you talked about also in this community where um, people are just going through the motion making care. They're not growing. Mm. Um. <laughs> yeah it's so firstly i'm not a graphic designer i'm entrepreneur i'm business owner and i saw carousels as being i saw them getting breached i saw them growing so i went and hired one of the best graphic designers in the 
in the carousel community, which is Dane Walker. Mm-hmm. Working with Dane. But I spotted Dane when he was like low tens, like mm-hmm. under 10,000. And Christos, Christos, me and Christos started, we, he was on 2,000 and I was on 1,000 at the time. And so I'm not a, a designer, I just used it to leverage my brand and, and my business. Um, and I used to spend, but I still had to spend hours on the platform, engaging, commenting. I would even say that was one of the major reasons why it grows so quickly because I was literally spending eight, four to eight hours on the platform, engaging with the community. So how do I feel about it? I feel like, this is my take on it. It's amazing. It's a great community. But I always feel like I'm a bit on the outskirts because I'm not a designer. You're not a designer. And I'm always looking at it from a, a business perspective. So if you're on the platform for business, how are you building that business? And are the people that you're engaging with the most going to help you? And if they're not, you just then have to leverage that side of it and also look to, to channel where the customers are coming from. Because I think there's too much of this whole holistic let's all come and sing Kumbaya together and we'll all grow Mm -hmm. together. But like behind the scenes, what are you building? What is your lifestyle like? What is your mindset like? What is your business like? And and if you're spending eight hours on the platform, but you don't have that plan or you're not making sales, you can't fully be fulfilled or you're not impact, you know? So I just, I, I, I loved what the community have done, but I really struggled to, um, tell people to just like sit there engaging all day long and creating content. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. I agree. So you, the clients you work with right now, obviously are not marketing, like not, they're not obviously not in the carousel community. So do you find it? I'm, I always find it curious. Like, is it possible to grow Instagram? Like that, that crazy speeds when you're outside the carousel community, right? Like, yeah. because carousel community is like all about that engagement. And yeah. I tell you what I see a lot recently is the reels. I see a lot of people growing with through reels. I think Ginny Fears and her new business partner, Laura, I can't remember her name. They just teams up and they do reels and they get loads mm-hmm. of reach. But for me, reels, unless you're, you're pretty and wearing hot pants and doing like shuffling, I see some mm-hmm. good people giving but I struggle. I'm like, I don't look like these people. I can add value, <laughs> but it looks like there's a lot of like uh, very TikTok-y. You have to aesthetically look good as well. And I'm like, ah, I like me, but I see a lot of people growing rapidly there. Mm. Um, I don't know. There must be ways to grow outside of the community. I just think it's about leveraging your opportunity. So I think I've had maybe like f- four clients that wanted carousels but I initiate conversations through my stories. So I'm more than happy my carousels to get your attention, but then in my stories, I'm going to educate you on different parts or show more about my life. Mm. And in the DMs, I'll tell you more about what services I provide. Mm -hmm. And that kind of works well. Another way it works is if I'm on LinkedIn, if I get a referral, if I'm on Facebook and someone looks at me, I leverage that growth I don't promise it because I, I literally tell them if it's not suitable and I tell them that as a marketer and the community has helped this. Um, but it definitely adds a social proof mm-hmm. because it puts you on a pedestal above others that are probably going to be pitching for the same business. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so how do, what's your process like? Sorry, I, we're going a little bit over mate, our schedule. Time, so it's good. I think I have actually. I don't know. <laughs> Two seconds. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got 15 minutes. It's cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll make it quick. So what is that interaction like? Because it sounds like where you're doing the selling and you're getting your business from is like in the DMs actually interacting with people. Yeah. And I see, I get tons of DMs from like people in the Curiosa community where they're like, Hey, can I do this for you? Can I like, they're, they're selling on that first DM right now. I just delete it right away. Yeah. So what is your process like? Like what, how do you build that relationship? So I built my agency based on outreach. Firstly, when I just went on my own and I, but I would do it based on a value-based outreach. So, you know, loom, have you ever heard of use loom? Yeah, yeah. Your screen. Yeah. So because we run ads, I would go and look at a hit list. I created a hit list of companies that align with our culture and, and who we could help. And then I would do five loom videos every day, just hacking their funnel for them, recording it and giving them unbiased feedback. And I would send it to them in loom and it'll tell you if they've opened that email. Then I'd send them a um, DM and say, look, I sent you something. Hope you don't think I'm being uh, rude or brash, but I, I, I love your brand. And this is my thoughts. I think you're actually losing a bit of money. If you're happy to jump on a call, if you need it done. Mm-hmm. And then I'll mm-hmm. follow back with them. So that's how I grew. And I'm about to do the same thing again, because I'm changing slightly our offering, who we're targeting, going after mm-hmm. more purpose-driven mm-hmm. companies. But on the organic side of socials, I use stories to initiate conversation. So I, uh, you understand your customer getting on front of camera, for example, like, is it, you know, when you get on camera, you're struggling with what to say. Do you have a structure of how you do your stories? Do you pull your phone out and take 50 takes? And I'll use a poll saying, yeah, sounds like me. And I'll change it from yes, no. Say like, yeah, I need help with this. So I'll do my story, a couple of polls, engagement, bit of social proof. And then I'll go back and I'll look at who's engaged and I'll just say, Hey, thanks for engaging. <laughs> what is it you're struggling about getting on front of the camera? And typically there's three questions I always ask, don't matter who you are, what's your biggest challenge? What is it you're trying to achieve? What's holding you back? And then if they've hit me up, I'll say, what made you reach out to me? And I know based on those answers, whether one, I'm going to give you my time, because if you put some care into those answers, I can understand where you're at self, you know, self-awareness wise. There's not going to be a quick chat if those answers are bullshit. I'll just be like, dude, there's loads of content. And it's not from an ego point of view. I just generally don't have the time. <laughs> if I was going to be doing stuff on Instagram that's more course-led or there's carousel courses and stuff like that, I probably would spend more time there because there's something low entry to offer people. But right now it's either coaching, which isn't cheap, or agency stuff, which isn't cheap. So I'll definitely serve and help as, as I can, but I can't be like just jumping on calls for the sake of it. So I try and use that as a qualifier, one to find out if I can help you quickly or to see if I can lead you to a sale. But it's all based on you and your yeah. what value I can provide you, basically. Yeah, I think that's a great advice because I think everybody thinks that it's all about the follower, then they just grow and the business will come. But from what I hear, most of the your sales background is what's, helping you get these business. It's, it's not your Instagram follower count or no, 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 absolutely not. Um, I don't think I've had anyone come through 
and say like I, I don't i'm desperate to work with you it's what you have to get on a call you have to still convince people um that you're the right company for them they do come in a little bit more pre-sold but i also think that's because of my stories because they yeah exactly i'm, I'm the same person they see on that video call um so that's why i think people just sleep on stories so much it's not about the growth on stories it's about building that connection and reaffirming that you're a person of influence that could potentially help them the worst thing you can do is be just resharing other community carousels yep choose a couple why don't you do this instead choose a carousel that someone else has done and then shed your light on it or talk about it rather than just sharing like oh yeah let's all sing kumbaya yeah that is, it's boring mm. no one wants to see so rather than doing like thank you <laughs> like just share it and be like this carousel is amazing tell you why because of this this and this go and check it out um do you struggle with that i would be leveraging the other store their content to maybe get an opportunity for you i'm not saying there's not a place for it but don't make that all your story yeah yeah i agree have a story because i don't i whenever i see like just tons of those i just skip right through the next person because if if all i see is research yeah yeah and so what have a story man like everyone has a story why are you afraid to share it just just tell it just start talking about but always connect that back to your customer and maybe where they're at love it and i think your your ig live with that really goes into how you do that it's like yeah I think everyone should check out i think it's somewhere you have to find it somewhere <laughs> lastly i wanted to ask you about so you have you do this thing called media media day i think yes. you said which i thought was fascinating because that's what all small business struggle with like how to make all of these videos how to make tons of content like that they're, they're busy so can yeah. you talk a little bit more about how you guys do that so when i was hiring videographers to overcome my own fear of getting on camera I would hire a cameraman, cost a fortune, get one or two videos. They would push back on editing and all of which I get is times money. I was like, this is bullshit. How am I going to get mass impact and reach and content? Gary V's whole thing of you need however many pieces of content out there. If I've got one video and it might not even be that good. So <laughs> I, um, at our, and that's why we created media days. So what we do is we create, uh, your avatar, your customer with you. We then create content ideas with you. So we might plan for about 50 to 80 videos ideas, and then we'll shoot over one or two days. And now I've started coaching people on how to like create organic content before then. So they're ready to actually on that day of filming and overwhelm mm -hmm. and it will come. There's no, there's no timestamp. There's no editing stamp. We'll come and shoot from like six in the morning mm. if you need down to 10 at night. We'll, everything on this list is getting checked off. Um, and, and we'll just go to work. And, we'll, and then you- So after those one or two days, you can potentially walk away with like 50 to 80 videos. Easy and photos. So you might have like three months worth of content. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's that. When I heard that, I was like, that's such a brilliant idea because most people don't have the time and don't, they don't have the, like team Gary V. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what I, I literally is just based on what I have as an entrepreneur growing in that kind of like wanting to get more out there. 
is let us figure You're solving it out. your own problem. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. if I can solve it for me, there's going to be more. I would pay a lot of money for that. I probably charge too little to be fair. I need to up the prices. So, yeah. So how, how do people hire you for that? How, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I'm not global yet. <laughs> so if you're in the UK, um, you can hit me up on Instagram, which is Danny Allen page at Danny Allen page, or the agency is gravity number seven.co.uk. Got it. I'll put the link in the bottom legend. Um, thank you so much for, it's always a pleasure speaking to you, man. I love Yeah, you. man. I, I, every time we talk, I feel like the time just flies by and I'm like, well, we're, we're an hour already. <laughs> Crazy. I know. <laughs> Definitely. It's, a, it's always a pleasure. And I, um, I love what you're doing. I love the new look of the podcast. Um, yeah. It's, it's Thank you so fun. much, man. Thank you for doing this. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk soon. Yeah. Send me and some thank- cream as well, man. I can't believe you're 40. What on earth is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I got that. It's, it's, it's cause I'm Asian. <laughs> I'm not black, so they say black. (laughs) Listen, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Cheers.